Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in our text for today, we don't really see a lot of good news, do we? The Old Testament text, the prophet is talking about how prophets have prophesied from time long in the past about destruction, about floods, about famines, about acts of war, about people being taken away in chains. Our New Testament texts, they're, they're not much better. In fact, Jesus begins talking about how we will indeed experience persecution. How the, the fact of the matter is that if we're following after him as we should be, our enemies will become members of our own household. And yeah, we're probably all old enough here today that we've come to experience that even in a sense, haven't we? And maybe if somehow it hasn't impacted your family directly, maybe your, your, your son or daughter began to hang out with other people that experience that erosion of their morality that we've kind of talked about in the past. Right, you know, you raise your son or daughter to not tolerate certain things, but then they got out in the world and they began to hang out with other people that, well, well tolerated them, accepted them, maybe even embraced those things. And now your, your son or daughter comes back home, they come back for a, a visit, they come home from college, they've been hanging around with people that... Yes, you know, uh, tolerate homosexuality, right? Tolerate divorce, tolerate adultery. They're hanging around with those people, and then it's like, oh, what, what is the big deal? And now you begin maybe to experience some conflict in these areas. Right, my, my, my friend at, at, at college, my, my friend at my new workplace, you know, they're, they're divorced. I, I'm beginning to wonder what's wrong with divorce. And now if you're following that very word of God, you begin to be into a little bit of conflict with that person. And maybe you, you began to, to get out your scriptures. You began to get out the Bible. And you said, you know, uh, you know, look, here is what's wrong. Here is why people should stay together. The, the Bible actually says that, you know, when, when that fellow set his wife aside, he actually became the cause of her adultery. And he himself went off and committed adultery. And well, it could be the same for the woman today too, couldn't it? You see, the, the, the fact of, of the matter is a, a, a responsible pastor looking at, at divorce is supposed to actually judge that event. And perhaps both people should be placed under church crits, you know, church discipline. 
But if a divorce has taken place, at least one person should be placed under church discipline. And in fact, that's what our very catechism you know, teaches us. But we, we don't see it that often today, do we? And the, the point is so important because it is the foundation of the teaching in our New Testament lesson for today. For you see, that, that is right where the teaching comes from. Just as a woman married to her husband is bound to him under the law, so too... When the husband dies, right, she is freed from that obligation. That is the foundation of the teaching today. And then likewise, we who are bound under Satan's rule as we live here on this earth are freed by the death of Jesus Christ. Now see, if we don't understand the, the hard teaching about divorce, how then can we understand the freedom that we receive in Jesus Christ? And if we just say, oh, divorce, it happens, and oh, it's no big deal, and it's not really nothing, well, then it's really nothing in our example for us to have salvation, isn't it? We see, when, when we bring it all together, we try to, you know, blend all the, the pieces of, to put it in perspective. You know, we try to go back to the Bible then and say, okay, you know, what is God's teaching? You know, God's teaching is a man and woman shall come together. The two shall become as one. What God has joined together, we say in the marriage ceremony, let no man put asunder because God himself has said right you know divorce I hate it well we don't hear that that often on Sunday morning but you go back and you're reading through your Old Testament and you come to the later prophets, right? And you're in the, the, the very small minor prophets at the back of the Old Testament. God there states very emphatically, I hate divorce, he said. And so this then is where the teaching in our New Testament lesson is coming from. That God created marriage to be sacred and holy. God established that to be for a lifetime. And then when the New Testament fellow comes out and he says, when a woman loses her husband, right, she is no longer under the law of marriage. Well, the people that he was writing to at that time, they understood. Ah, marriage, binding, sacred, holy. We don't get divorces. God hates divorce. But what happens when the husband dies? Now. Now the woman is 
free to marry someone else now. The woman is free to pursue other avenues now. The woman has a new kind of freedom. Now, hopefully most of you, you ladies, you know, here today are in, you know, healthy relationships with your, your husbands, and you would say, if my husband died, I, I feel kind of bad about that. You know, if something happened to, to, to him, I, I, I don't know quite what I would do. But yeah, you, you have friends and neighbors, you can probably well imagine, you know, that there are, are women that are your confidants, that they would say, if my husband died, I might have a party today. I, I, I could resume my career. I, I, I could marry that fellow Bob that I find kind of attractive. I, there's all many things that, that I could do if I had my freedom. The difference that is the, the very analogy then that we're working with today when we begin to talk about what Jesus Christ has done for you. For see, you and I were born into the sinful world. We're born into a world, in fact, where Adam and Eve, though God had given the world to them as a precious gift, they, they said, hey, Satan, we'd maybe like to take advice from you. Why don't you come join our management team? And the, the world was truly Adam and Eve. God gave it to them as a precious gift. They, they, yes, had the right to make mistakes. They had the right to invite Satan to come into this world because it was theirs. And he did. I mean, that is the terrible reality of what you and I are faced with every day. We live in a world where Satan can operate. And he, he can't you know, just have the opportunity to operate behind the scenes, but he actually has authority over things. When Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, one of the temptations was, look, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world, I will give them to you if you will bow down and worship me. You see, Jesus, you can take a shortcut. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. I'll just give you all the kingdoms of the world. All you have to do is bow down. And, and Jesus, he didn't respond and say, oh, you know, you lie." No, Jesus acknowledged that, yes, Satan had all the kingdoms of the world, at, at that time at least, that he could give those to our Savior. And that was a temptation, but of course Jesus said, you shall serve the Lord your God alone. Even if it means you can't take the shortcut. Even if it means you're going to be crucified on the cross instead of just bending the knee and getting all the kingdoms that you want. It was a real temptation. And dear friends, that's exactly where we live. We live in that 
kind of a world. Satan is out there. Satan can control things. Satan can bring devastation and destruction. And then God comes in and he says, just as the woman is free when her husband dies, so too you are free from Satan's control when you have Jesus the Christ in your life. Wow! By that should give us a moment of wonder. We are free in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we're free to run around, just kind of do whatever kind of thing that we want to do, but we are free from Satan's control, you see. I mean, yesterday maybe I didn't have the willpower to be able to stand up to sin, but now with Christ in my life, I can. I mean, yesterday maybe I was a little bit afraid to confront sin in my relationships in my family, but now because of Christ, I can. You see, maybe the other day I was so concerned about my, my, my wife, my, my sons, my daughters, my family members that, oh, I would never have spoken about that. But now, because of Christ, I can tell the truth. Now, because of Christ, I can provide accurate teaching in that area. Now, because of Christ, I can be the bulwark against sin in my family's life. You see, that, that freedom sets us free from all the bad things. Now, the, the world sometimes hears this teaching and says, well, freedom sets me free from all the good things, right? And I, I can just kind of, you know, do whatever I want. Uh, no. Right? We can't just say, okay, now, now let sin abound. Right? No, the freedom is to do it God's way. We are under new management. If we follow the analogy along, we have a new husband now, you see. The old husband died, the world. Now we have the, the new husband, the Christ. The old husband maybe sold drugs on the side to make some extra money. The old husband maybe hung out at, at, at the bars and the strip clubs. The old husband maybe made our lives miserable under sin. Whereas the new husband does it right. The new husband is always perfect. The new husband upholds all that is good. We have that kind of new freedom. In Christ. 
Christ warns us up front, though, doesn't he? That as we come into contact with this sinful world, there will be troubles. As we're living under new management, we're going to begin to see some conflict. A man's enemies will be those of his own household, the text tells us. And so we come full circle from the beginning, don't we? Right, being under new management, having a, a new set of standards, I now come into contact with sons or, or daughters, nieces or nephews who've been out there in the world who have been compromising, who have been tolerating, who have been accepting, who have maybe even been participating in various sins, and, and then they want to come back, and they want to come for a visit, and what am I going to say about that? What am I going to do about that? Well, as... Right? The, the spouse of Christ. And, and yeah, you know, we talk about the, the church, right? It's the bride of Christ. And, and we, of course, are a part of the church. And so I, I think we can make that connection. You know, as the, the spouse of Christ, I now have new obligations, don't I? And yeah, maybe this resonates a, a, a little bit more with the the women, but you know, as as you were raising your your families, maybe you depended upon your you know your husband to you know help discipline the children. And maybe your your husband had you know certain standards of behavior, and you as the wife that you know came to enforce those standards within your home. Maybe the standards didn't even always make sense. You know, maybe your husband was raised in a, a family where you ate everything on your plate. There's nothing wrong with that standard, but maybe it wasn't your standard. Maybe in, in your standard, in your family, you know, people could care less. You just were happy that you had some food, and if there was a little bit left, so what? But your husband's standard, you will eat everything on your plate. Now you're raising your children, and you, right, helped out with your husband's standard, right? It wasn't necessarily your standard, but you were married to him. That's what he wanted to do. You enforced the standard. And, it, you know, kind of a simple, maybe even silly analogy, but now moving to the bigger picture, Jesus, our Savior, has some pretty lofty standards. No, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, be in church on Sunday, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't be coveting your neighbor's stuff. Right? Don't be spreading false rumors about your neighbor. Right? We know the standards. And now, as the spouse of Christ, we're expected, yes, to enforce those standards and to tell other people about them, aren't we? Lift it up. 
That creates conflict. Because not everyone wants to follow the word of the Lord. And so we struggle at times. But yet, to close with the words of hope found in our 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, dear friends, as we follow Christ. We might find those days when we feel as though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There might be times when a son or, or a daughter, someone close to our heart, actually says, I, I could care less about the church. You know, there, there can be times a, a son or a daughter, you know, rejects the, the teaching of Christ. They completely turn their back uh, upon it. They don't want to hear any more of that word. They want to follow some false path designed by Satan himself. And we speak the words of, of rebuke. We speak the words of, of correction. Uh, they do nothing. It feels like we're dying in that valley. You're walking there. But I will fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. He comforts me. He gives to me good things. He prepares wonders in store for my future. He continues to have a beautiful plan for my life that will unfold as I follow after Him. As I trust in Him to be my Lord and my God. As I hold up His standards, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let those words comfort you today. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.